And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. It is a tremendous honor to once again have on our show Shunyamarte. He's an amazing metaphysical spiritual teacher. He puts out a lot of terrific lessons. I've been watching him for a long time. And I'd say that he's one of those individuals where... When you listen to the lessons, your body, mind, and soul kind of all feel at ease and at peace. Very, very soothing and um, a lot of inspiration. You can learn more about Shunamarte by going to his website at satyoga.com. You can also go to his YouTube channel and check out some of his many amazing videos. Shunamarte, thank you for being with us today once again. Namaste. Namaste. It's a joy to be with you, Ryan. Thank you. So one of our previous conversations, you talked about, okay, well, we're living in this tumultuous, crazy time right now. And one of the things you should try to do or aspire to do is become the dreamer to bring forth a peaceful reality. Well, I want to know if you have a lot of people that are on the planet that do have peace and love within their hearts. They do not wish to have a harmful warlike scenario, but you have a small minority of people. Why is it possible that those small minority of people are able to infringe and impose a dark reality upon the majority? Is Are they practicing any kind of um, dark like energies or frequency that allows them to seem to be in control of the dreamer at this point. What's your perspective on that? Well, first of all, the goal is not to become the dreamer, but to realize we are always already that. And uh, that means there is one intelligence that is not only guiding and directing the unfoldment of this holographic movie that we are all acting in and playing as characters in, but we are actually pervaded by and moved by that force, that supreme power, even though we may not know it. And we may think we are acting on our own will or the will of influence on a phenomenal plane, but it's always ultimately the the will of God. Because this is not simply a random unfoldment of linear time that has no uh, internal order. But we are always in relationship to the cosmic order that is determined by the power of God. This is what the physicist David Bohm referred to as the implicate order. And we are an expression of the explicate order. In other words, if you want to use a film analogy, the film is already shot, 
but now it's in the projector and being projected on the holographic screen, and we're living it as if this is real time. But there is no such thing as time. Time is an illusion. So we are in eternity at this very moment. And time itself is simply a closed circle that is now coming to that point in of the what's called the omega point, but it's also the alpha point of the end of one entire cycle of time that will culminate in a revelation and rapture and redemption, just as the Christian mystics have said, but also the Buddhists and the Eastern and the Sufis. So there's a universal understanding of this and that the world had to go through a Kali Yuga, a dark age. It's one of the four seasons of the world. You know, there's the spring of the golden age of Satyuga, and then gradually a summer of the silver age or the Treta, and then a fall of the copper age or the Dwapar. And now we're at the end of the Kali Yuga, the lowest period of human consciousness. They teach you, however, that it's the highest and we're progressing and we're getting higher. But in fact, we have fallen to the lowest level. And most people today have been indoctrinated into very negative, materialist and nihilistic beliefs. And they're hopeless and they're in despair and or they're in denial because of the dumbed down educational system. No one can even think clearly anymore to see what is going on. And so the the problem is that the collective consciousness is in a mode of of self-destruction, planetary destruction. And that is the mode that although it seems like a horror and a tragedy and a terrible thing, is actually bringing suffering to an end. It's bringing an end to this winter season of time in which uh, the the spirit is almost dead in the cold uh, of the winter in which the world has become a, a desolation row. But now... The return of God is what will will happen in this final phase. The return to God consciousness by those who are seeking, but also the return of God, God consciousness. So that even if you are not seeking, you will be, in fact, not only affected by the growing, increasing energy field of the presence of God that is on the way to annihilate this a movie that's filled with suffering to recreate a new dream, a new movie of, of a heaven on earth. And as that happens, beings will gradually become more and more aware of the light. And those who are awakened, their consciousness will grow to higher and higher le- levels of divinization. This is the ultimate goal of Christianity, by the way, to reach divinization. Or in the Eastern Christianity, they refer to it as deification or theosis. In other words, we are becoming the embodiments of the Holy Spirit. And that is the final culmination of this drama. So the darkest period is just before the dawn. And the light of the new dawn can already be perceived by those who are awakened and becoming illumined. Nasty, thank you. And you say that this is kind of in the end stage of Kali Yuga. Yes. But 
to a person, I don't know, I say like maybe the average person looking around, the darkness seems very intense. Oh, yes. And because of the corruption within the youth about where the values of uh, some of the kids, at least in, in the U.S., it yes. doesn't give me a lot of hope about a future that this is going to be going on a prolonged period of time. What is a what would you say would be a, a distinctive moment where we can mm-hmm. say, okay, well, this is this is peak Kali Yuga. Are we actually reached peak Kali Yuga, or are we going to see something else? Because I watched one of your videos, and it talked about you know it seems like to be a layout for World War Three. How this is happening? It's it's just so disturbing because you know so many people on, on all different countries and continents. If you ask them, I don't think that they would ever want to take up arms against anyone else. But again, you have a small group of people that are pushing upon this. And I don't understand why this, why the world has to go through this because a small minority of people have it. Why can't those sick individuals have their own spinoff <laughs> series and we watch them tear each other apart while we kind of live in peace? That's why I don't understand this whole thing. But uh, how do you see this playing out? Have we reached peak Kali Yuga or is there another uh, rough? ride that we have to go through before we start seeing the light permeate and finally coming through. Okay, very good. Several questions there. One is that unfortunately it's not just a small group because they have used mind control and indoctrination to get people to be willing to join armies and to fight and to die and to commit genocide against other countries, as we see happening at this very moment. And people have been naive and gullible enough to go along with authorities that have been lying to them. We saw this during the pandemic, how many people put their own lives in risk because they believed the quote-unquote science when it wasn't science at all but pseudoscience and accepted lockdowns and everything else uh, that that has proven to uh, to be uh, uh, part of a depopulation program. So we're dealing with a, a situation that is already underway, and we are in the final world war. It's still the initial rounds of it that are still relatively localized, but the escalation is accelerating rapidly. And at a certain moment, it will all be lit up. The war will, like in the Middle East or in Ukraine or perhaps Taiwan or many other trigger spots that in which war can erupt suddenly or already is underway below the radar screen for most people. But it can erupt into a regional war and then become global like nothing, like very quickly. It won't be a long, drawn-out process. And at the same time, the countries of the West in particular are collapsing and disintegrating. We're at the brink of a civil war in the U.S. And you see similar things happening in Europe. And there are the same kinds of tensions that are going on globally. So there's a coming apart, a, a, a dismemberment. And, and what, it's what happens at death when the body decomposes. 
So the political social body of the world is decomposing and people are becoming more and more alienated. And those who are awakened are trying to find others of like minds that they can trust and live with. And so the good news is that those who are getting out of the system and even geographically out of war zones are starting to come together, join spiritual communities and increase the energy field. And as the energy field increases of those who are uh, loyal to God, to the highest principles of peace and of love and of joy and of the realization that we are not bodies, we're not actually in this world. The world is within our consciousness and our consciousness is part of the universal, absolute consciousness. And what we each individually have to do in order to escape the impact of what's happening in the phenomenal plane is to go through ego death, to go through complete disidentification from the individual bubble of consciousness and pop it so that we become one with the whole ocean of consciousness. That's the deification. And then the mind of God becomes our own mind. When enough beings have done that, then the energy they will transmit through the noetic field, the morphogenic field of the planet, will in fact have a huge impact. And then like popcorn, more and more will pop open and more and more beings will become God-realized. And in that final stage, the light of God that shines through every being who has become uh, an instrument and an embodiment of that sacred divine light will light up the world literally to such an extent that the illusion of the dream field will disappear and there will only be the light, the love, the power, the presence, the wisdom of God that will then redream the world instantly into a heaven and all suffering will end. Well, that is a beautiful and uh, inspirational answer, and uh, I long to see that. So thank you for sharing that. You will you see it. You, in fact, you'll see it very soon, Ryan. I, I can't wait. I'm going to get some popcorn and line up and do it. From your perspective, when people, uh, I guess, become awakened to what's really happening, I just want to share my personal experiences. I became aware or grew because of pain it's always been a catalyst for me a tremendous amount of pain and do you see that the world having to go you see like a, a tremendous amount of suffering required in order to wake up people or is there any other way that people collectively and mass scale can wake up without having to go through a tremendous amount of suffering a very few will choose to reach god without going through that much pain but for 99.9%, it's pain that awakens them. And that's the purpose of karma. That's why there has to be suffering so that one can no longer remain in the comfort zone of the ego. And everything you took for granted and depended on and believed would support you has to fall away until you realize you are totally groundless. And the only thing you can depend on is the presence of God. You know, when people are in a state of trauma or if they, if something happens that is miraculous 
or something happens that is totally uncanny that leaves them speechless, whether it's a horror, like let's say the people who watched uh, the planes hitting 9-11 and the, the towers exploding, or somebody suddenly seeing a, a, a UFO hovering very close overhead, or someone who is, is hit by a lightning bolt of the presence of God. In either case, what you hear on these videos that show these kinds of phenomena is people suddenly saying, oh God, oh God, oh God, they can't stop. Even if they're atheists, they will say, oh God, in the midst of such an event that leaves them speechless. And those are the kinds of events the signs and wonders of the presence of God and the synchronicities that are impossible that will start to occur more and more on the planet and glitches in the matrix that we already see yeah. and all kinds of phenomena that are awakening people to the fact that this is not real. This actually is a dream field and partly it's created by our own projections. And as we withdraw our projections by getting to higher and higher levels of consciousness and until the, and when the ego is entirely withdrawn from service it's deleted then what gets projected into the field is only the pure consciousness of god without the interference patterns of individual egos that are in internal conflict and conflict with each other. And when that all disappears, then it's perfection because that's always what has been there under the surface. And that will now simply rise to full manifestation because the veil of ignorance and illusion is being eliminated by the suffering that's causing people to have to awaken and the shock and awe of events that are awakening them, whether they will it or not. Thank you. Let's take better answers should never take. When it comes to God, that's when it comes to this, 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 is that when I go and I dream at night, I've had several experiences where I don't have the identity of a human being. I'm kind of like, I just know that I'm part of something. I, I, I would say I don't have any distinctive identity as a human being and a part of this energy field. I mean, I, it's happened a number of times. So as my, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, please, is that we are all points of attraction of God, which is infinite consciousness. And if we are, if all things are consciousness, if all things are God's, that would, that would, that, I'll thank God that would include evil as well as good. So yes. I wonder why God, what unquote God, the divine being source, would allow points of attraction of itself to be trapped in human bodies or get the illusion of separation to come here and to be in a world of evil. If God is already at the peak evolution, if it's God is already at the highest evolution you can go. And it has an innate curiosity to experience itself. Why would it allow this to happen? Why would it allow parts of itself to have to go through this tremendous process if all points of attraction are within God? If God's at the peak evolution, I would imply that um, even the evil, even the lower level vibrations that we see as points of attraction through God are all part of God. So why would we have to experience this? Why? Why is this so necessary to occur? Is this part of God's curiosity? Is this part of a uh, part where maybe God is actually taking points of attraction and we're going to become our own gods? Like we're being trained to become our own gods and God needs some friends. 
No, just curious. Well, you're you're close. You're on the right track <laughs> when when you just said that. In fact, and again, remember the time cycle is one of uh, degradation and and uh, a lack of progress and more and more chaos and en- entropy as we reach the end. We started out as gods. We were gods in our first lifetimes, and we lived in a kingdom of heaven, and everything was magical and miraculous, and there was no suffering, no illness, no pain. It was just bliss and joy and every kind of uh, possible beauty uh, was given to us. Total state of grace. We gradually lost that grace, but we lost it because part of the gift of grace is giving us freedom. We have freedom of will to steer our lives as we wish, and gradually people became less wise and more uh, focused on the intensity of experiences that brought them more and more down from pure spirit and into soul and then into body consciousness. And in the Kali Yuga, people have become much more interested in sensory pleasures than in the spiritual pleasure of the contemplation of God in which you reach bliss. And hardly anyone practices contemplative prayer or, or goes into a state of samadhi in meditation. That, that most people instead prefer the uh, quick route of taking cocaine or heroin or some other uh, substance that will alter their consciousness without their having themselves trained themselves to return to God consciousness through the dropping of all the impurities that came from false beliefs that one was a body that has uh, these sensory pleasures and has become much more attached to other people and to money and to power and all of that in the world. We are the ones who made the mistake of falling into that and creating this world, not God. It's like God is the father and mother who puts the children into the playground and the children love playing, but eventually they get very dirty and then they start fighting and do everything. And finally, the parents have to come and take them out of the playground and clean them up. That's the phase we're at now. And the world will soon be cleaned up and we will return once again, having learned our lessons. And as you said, trained ourselves again to become as gods and then to be reborn as such in the next age. Your answer. I love what you're talking about, how people have just been completely immersed. Maybe you have obsessed with the sensory uh, experience within the human body and as uh, spiritual beings who are driving in their car, known as their human body, if you deprive yourself of distraction, if you're not checking your phone, if you're not watching TV, if you're not partaking in all these different distractions, in a way, are you channeling that energy back into your spirit? Because everyone walking around the U.S. at least today is checking the phones, and I have to tell you, I am just as guilty of it. I am obsessed with my with, with work. I'm checking my phone all the time, and I'm and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I'm I'm giving my point of attraction, my attention to this device, which is more or less it probably has to do with work. But I know that the fact that my brain's probably addicted to the dopamine hit I get when I get a notification. You know, I'm fully admitting that. But from your perspective, is that? Are those distractions, is that what's keeping people 
kind of chained or, or imprisoned within their body, that sensory perception. If you decide to put down the phone, if you decide to not watch TV, if you decide to not be in a constant state of simulation or entertainment, is that a path forward or a stronger way to um, reconnect with your spirit and be on the path of divine divinity? Mm -hmm. That's a very deep point and a very important one, Ryan. And uh, let me say that indeed I agree with you that we have been trained to be distracted. And almost everyone these days has a kind of attention deficit disorder. And it's partly augmented by the addiction to the cell phones, which is why I don't even have one and I've never used it. Uh, And of course, to the internet and to all all the other uh, gadgets that take people's attention. And they watch films that take them into uh, vicarious experiences and the virtual reality machines and all kinds of things nowadays that put in some very negative instructions, subliminal suggestions, impressions that lead one toward wanting more violence or pornography or uh, following the latest gossip about celebrities or political conspiracies, right? And so instead of cultivating their level of consciousness to reach God, they, they are dissipating their energies in that way and becoming infected by those influences of those impressions. So yes, that's indeed correct. However, where I would disagree with you is it's not enough just to stop doing that because your own mind will continue to throw up images and memories and desires and things that come from the residue of the past uh, proclivities to be involved in those activities. So it takes a, a process of inner purification that has to be completed before we are able to be at peace with a quiet mind in order to be able to receive the grace of the presence of God. And there are some who will, in fact, do that practice instead of the distractions, but there are others who will just space out or they'll drink some beer or they'll do something else with their time that isn't really about growing psychologically and philosophically and spiritually to reach a point where they're actually able to tolerate the intensity of the energies of God. Because you see, if you're in the ego state, the energies of God are a threat because they are going to annihilate your ego. They are going to dissolve you back into God consciousness. But the ego resists that. It doesn't want to die. It wants to continue its illusory existence. And when someone really goes into a very deep state of meditation, they bring up from their subconscious minds the what the alchemists called the negredo, the repressed, unbearable feelings that have been kept in the dungeon of the mind but haven't been able to be released and gotten rid of. And they will suddenly come up in one's face. And in the middle of a, a meditation in which you are starting to feel very wonderful and expanded and open and 
uh, and, and receiving divine energy, suddenly there will be uh, energies of past traumas that will come up and agonies and it could be guilt or shame or horror or terror or any other kinds of feelings like anxiety and sorrow, etc., for past karma. One has to be able to tolerate its coming up and purifying it and releasing it. If one is willing and able to go through that process, then one becomes free and karma ends and one becomes a divinized sage. But most can't do it alone because they can't contain those energies, which is why it's often important to have a community, to have a teacher who can inspire and empower and give you strength and courage to face the demons you have to slay within, not the ones outside. It's the ones within that are the hardest to slay. And they will come up to challenge you when you start to return to God. And then you need to have the power to slay those demons or else they'll pull you back into an inner hell realm. Thank you for that answer. I love it. And it was actually my next question was going to be based on that. Because if you are doing that work, and you do realize that you have a traumatic event that has occurred mm-hmm. and that event, that trauma pulls you into a frequency or let's say a lower vibrational frequency because your point of focus is on that trauma. What are mm-hmm. some of the things that you can do at that particular moment? Because you mentioned a community. Well, what if you, if you don't have a community? Is there, are there any types of music that you can listen to that have a certain uh, beat are there a certain chance that you could immerse yourself in? Uh, should you use any kind of like lavender oil? Should you put, should you sage yourself? What other things can you do if when processing your shadow and revealing some dark things that you need to take immediate action so you don't become a point of attraction for those dark things, that your frequency does not go from uh, up here to down here because you are completely overwhelmed with the trauma that's occurring? Mm-hmm. A very good question. Thank you. Unfortunately, the things you mentioned, the lavender and oil and like that, if it, you're really in the middle of a heavy trauma, they, they won't be enough. And you won't even be able to put the music on or listen to it because you'll, you'll be too caught up in, in, in your internal agony and the images it, it presents and even suicidal drives that can come up at that moment. So it's very hard to to sit and think coherently, how should I soothe myself at this moment? You know, if it's just a minor kind of uh, negative thought form, you can maybe do that. But I think what needs to happen is one has to develop a total faith in God and a connection in God when one is still in a good state that that one can taste the vibrational frequency of God's presence and connection. And it's like a note that once you know what it is, you can return to it. And then you have to use prayer, you have to use surrender of your whole being to God, and and you you have to use uh, a, a total dedication to attend to the will of God to uh, save you, really redeem you from the negative uh, feeling states that are often based on an identity of unworthiness or I'm a sinner or I'm, I'm not worthy of having God's protection. 
And one has to overcome that by realizing God's unconditional love of you, no matter what you have done and who you are and uh, no matter what the situation is. It's that unconditional love of God that one has to open to and accept fully in one's heart. And that is what redeems one from the hell realm. And that can happen if one has... Uh, has a faith that is based on an internal experience of that connection. So there's no doubt that God is real and that that in intelligence, whether you call it God or Buddha or the Tao or Allah or whatever, it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the name. The Christian uh, theologians tend to call it the great mystery. And as long as you're in the ego state, it is a mystery. But you have to surrender your mind, therefore, and realize you can't think your way out of it. The only way you can get out of it is transcending thought and entering a state of silence in which you are fully in attendance upon the presence of God. And then grace will descend and fill you because God is merciful and good and wants only to give peace to the hearts of anyone who is surrendered to the service of God. Austin, thank you for that beautiful answer. To focus a little bit more also on karma, what are some of the things that people can do to rapidly resolve their karma? Because one thing I do, Shunamurti, is I try to find people who I wasn't mean to, I was mean to, even when I was a little kid, I'll try to reach out to them. I'll try to make peace. I'll, I'll try to find all these little areas. Not to say that I'm, I'm going to make peace with everyone, but I'll try my best. And I'm looking at that. But I'm sure there's more to it. I'm sure there are other actions. I'm sure there are other thoughts that have uh, created negative karma. So what are some of the ways that a person can accelerate them bringing peace to their karma so that they, they don't have to experience a negative implication for an action that they've done, if they are truly and sincerely sorry for that. This is a very important question that you yeah. ask. I agree with you about uh, making amends uh, to, to those who uh, you have harmed, who you c can actually do that with, as 12-step programs recommend and, and other uh, therapeutic uh, approaches. Uh, but there are situations in which you can't do that. The person may have died or it may not even be that the person knows how you betrayed them or, or did something uh, to, to take advantage and manipulate or whatever. It may be that, that there is no way to communicate or your communication wouldn't be accepted and you, you wouldn't receive forgiveness, but in fact, you might, could create a worse situation uh, of uh, antagonism. So it becomes very subtle and very difficult uh, to uh, deal with this on the external plane. The, the way to deal with it most is to release yourself from the ego. The sacrifice of the ego is the payment for the ego's sins in the past. And the willingness to go through that sacrifice, which all of religion is about. And in fact, our next retreat is all about sacrifice and why the whole world must now be sacrificed 
to pay for those collective sins. But that sacrifice is also a gift of God that brings us back into wholeness and holiness and into the power to create a new world. And in the transmission of that divine frequency, every soul on the planet is uplifted. So whoever you may have harmed, whether in this life or past lives, they will receive the blessing of the grace uh, of your own unconditional love for all. And uh, it, it gets transmitted remotely. You don't have to uh, knock on everyone's door and ask their forgiveness. But the, the energy of divine love that will pour through you will resolve all karma. That's awesome. My old teacher, Stuart Wilde, has ever crossed paths, he he really made it a point to uh, teach others to find authentic teachers. And he said that there are people that are out there that are, that, that are uh, just sh- making a charade of what it means to be an authentic teacher. And I think sometimes it's, it can be challenging because if, you, if you're at a point where you really are seeking and somebody is presenting something to you and let's say... Um, on a mental level, like you connect with a person, they, they seem to be engaging, challenging, or they're, they're, they're endearing. From your perspective, what are some of the ways that seekers can know that they are in the presence of an, of an authentic teacher, of a teacher who's going to put them on the right path, of a teacher who is not teaching for the sake of having an ego trip, but for the sake of trying to present or be a reflection of light and love to others? Namaste. Again, a, a very important question. And the answer is that if one is at the ego level, one cannot really assess a being who is at a higher level accurately. Uh, and one can misjudge their behavior if it's based on conventional norms. Uh, and so it's a very subtle kind of, uh, of a process, but you will tend to be attracted to someone who is offering resolution to some of the issues that you're dealing with. The problem is this, we have to go through a number of different phases that require different kinds of teachers and guides. If we're still in the ego, we have to go through a psychological purification. And that will then take us to the soul level, where we are able to open our minds to the archetypal level of wisdom that enables us to deconstruct and delete the ego and then be filled with that ultimate presence that unites the soul again in God and there is non-duality. At each level, you may need a different kind of teacher. You may need a therapist or someone to guide you out of psychological difficulties and and not yet deal with the spiritual. Because if you're at too low a level, you will misunderstand spiritual teachings. If you're in duality, you can't really understand non-duality. Uh, 
And then the problem is the ego tends to imitate the words of another and parrot them back and think that they understand because they have the terms that the teacher is using or that are written in great books uh, by sages. And they will become parrots of the uh, the doctrine of non-duality, Advaita Vedanta or Buddhism or Tantra or some other uh, field. And they can think that they are already teachers and actually believe it. But in fact, they know only the words and they haven't yet gotten to the essence and internalized that and made that real for themselves. So in part, it is important for each being to study enough on their own of psychology, of philosophy, even of theology, both Christian as well as Buddhist and uh, Vedic and Taoist, to have a real sense of what these levels uh, consist in and what can I expect in terms of experience when I reach those levels. And then I will be able to detect if someone is actually in that level where they are vibrating at such a space that one can feel the mystery and the light pouring out of them and there's no ego trip going on. But one has to oneself have a sense of what one is really looking for before one can perceive it in another. And one must have gone deep enough and, and high enough in his own internal process to be able to resonate accurately with someone who is at an even higher state. And it's that resonance that will tell your heart that, yes, I can trust this being to guide me, at least in this phase of the journey. That awesome answer, Shina Marte. And the final question we have is, okay, so the forces of evil, they plot and plan every single moment of every single day. It seems to harm people. They want to poison the sky, spring stuff in the sky. They want the fluoride in the water. They put all this terrible food out. They've got all these things that they're trying to do to make people feel bad. Well, let's counterbalance that. What are some things that you recommend that people do to help other people, to make other people feel good? You know, if the forces of darkness are doing whatever they can to, to tear people down, what are some of the ways that each of us hmm. can help raise people up, make them feel good? To, to answer that question properly, we have to first separate feeling good as an ego, which is usually going back into denial, from feeling good as a soul who has been liberated from the illusion. When you are liberated from the illusion, you will realize that we are in God right now. We have never left the mind of God. That's what the world is the expression of. It's a symbolic representation of a theodrama, a drama of souls who will at the end again realize God, become manifestations of God, and go through another round of growth and development through loss and the need to increase wisdom through the loss and through the suffering. So when you understand that the drama as a whole is perfect, 
and that the world is a kind of a wisdom school for the actors in that drama that are helping us to get to the point where we graduate from the need to go through this again and uh, and that we can then join uh, uh, back into God consciousness with no residue of karma that would bring us back into the world. So that's the way you ultimately feel good. But when you realize God as the reality that is now what is, not something that will be or that should be, then you realize that both the light and the dark are part of that perfection and that these forces of darkness are actually serving the light. They are bringing about a more rapid euthanasia of a dying world that is suffering that needs to be released as soon as possible with as little pain as possible. And so it won't look good to the world that these kinds of uh, poisonings and nuclear explosions and all the other things that will soon be happening uh, will happen, but they will very quickly and mercifully take people out of their bodies and be taken back into the light of God. So death is not a tragedy. Death is part of life, but there is no death. Once you have returned to God, you realize we are eternal and immortal. And it's only the death of a bodily vehicle. And all of us who are engaged in a process of this kind of quest are old souls who have had many different lifetimes with different bodies. And this is the least important in a way because it's the lowest level of consciousness we've reached. But it's also the most important and the most auspicious because this is the moment we rise again into the fullness of our consciousness. And once we understand the perfection of that and we accept everything, all our karma, exactly as it must unfold without resistance, without defensiveness, but in total surrender, that's when we are given the grace of joy, of happiness, of unconditional love. And uh, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how horrible it might look uh, from uh, an external ego perspective, we recognize that we are given the protection of that unification with God consciousness that is lifting us out of the illusion of suffering and bringing us into the realization that we are the dreamer of this, not the characters in the dream. And so then what happens to those characters will no longer create suffering. And those characters then will disappear and a new embodiment will come of yourself if you're not done with going around this merry-go-round of time in a beautiful divine body of light. So the next stage is that we are going from human to angel. We are able to serve in a body of light even while the world is going through this transition and help people in a non-local way. So that's the goal. Open your body of light and learn to live in it. And soon the body of matter will no longer have any anchoring effect. You will no longer be earthbound, but you will serve that supreme intelligence and love from a higher dimension. Shinurate, thank you for that answer. And thank you so much for being with us today and for 
sharing your wisdom and your light. It was absolutely beautiful. And it is an honor to learn from you, and to walk with you in this life incarnation. Um, I think we're ahead some wonderful times, hopefully some peaceful times ahead. But you can learn more about Shina Berte by going to his website, satyoga.com. Please sign up for some of the things that they have. Great newsletter. Also, go to his YouTube channel. You'll see a lot I of think it's satyoga.org. Satyoga.org. Yes. We'll <laughs> post the link on there. Okay. Thank you very much, Ryan. And I so want much. you to know it's a great joy. And I wish you blessings because you are doing very important service on the planet at this time. So blessings to you for, for your own unfoldment of your divine nature. So much. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace love, and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.